Shalom, everyone, and welcome to our ICEJ weekly webinar. I'm David Parsons, the one of the vice presidents and the senior spokesman for the Christian Embassy, coming to you from our headquarters here in Jerusalem. Uh, we're really uh, excited about our topic today. In a way, it's unpleasant, but it's also uh, really grabbed your attention. Uh, whether we're going to have a new Israeli election or not. And uh, as we were preparing a promo graphic for this, we first had uh, um, a big uh, exclamation mark, is we're going to new elections? Then we turned it to a question mark because there's some question when then we went back to exclamation. But we're going to find out, are there new elections? or will we have an alternative government here in Israel? And to help us explain all this, we, we saw a, um, a, a webinar session by our good friend Dov Lipman on Monday, just as the news was breaking. He really had a good handle on it, answering. He was getting peppered with questions and doing so well in answer it. Uh, Dov is a former member of the Knesset, and today he is the CEO and founder of the organization uh, Yad Le'olim. It's so good to have you, Dov. Thank you so much. It's really great to be with you, David, and with everyone in the audience. Yeah. Look, we, we remember you fondly from uh, the days you were in the Knesset and part of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, and we really had some uh, really uh, good times engaging with you then and watching you over the last couple of years, this Yad Leolim, it means a hand to new, new immigrants, and especially what you've done over the last two years to help all of us understand the COVID regulations, how to get in and out of the country. We were following your, your material closely. We really thank you for it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's really been a remarkable blessing to be able to be a resource uh, for, for literally tens of thousands of people all around the world, and especially when it comes to helping people get into the Holy Land. What, what, what better mission can there be? So, and now we're certainly in a, in a mode in Yad Olim once they arrive here. Uh, making sure that they have a good acclimation and succeed here. And uh, I view it as uh, playing my role in the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. It can't Amen. get better than that. Amen. We just helped 160 Ethiopian Jews with a flight on Tuesday this week. Some of them, uh, these families have been separated for 20 years or more. It was just so powerful, the emotions, people overwhelmed, uh, greeting each other. But uh, this is holy work, Dove, and I'm so glad to, to see you involved in it. Um, look, we've got uh, uh, the, the political turmoil and limbo of recent years is still continuing. We've had a government here for about a year, but uh, it, it is voluntarily collapsing or dissolving itself or is seeking to and we're going to try and understand this. Uh, this news broke on on Monday. Dove had special credentials as as someone uh, coming from abroad, uh, an olim, an immigrant who understands maybe some of the Western audience a little better, and uh, but also an Israeli and member of the Knesset itself, he, and he knows it from the inside. So I think he's a good uh, voice and a good person to help us understand and analyze what's going on because it's complicated. And Duff, if you allow me, I'll start out with a screen 
uh, program, uh, a PowerPoint real quick uh, that I prepared uh, for this. And uh, this is we're going to new elections. Should this be an exclamation? Should it be a question mark? It's changing every hour almost. Uh, and uh, so we're going to try and answer this today. The current government, uh, of course, is very broad. It has Naftali Bennett uh, as prime minister uh, with his six Knesset members. He had seven, but one left as soon as they were in the Knesset uh, and uh, didn't want to join the coalition. Uh, Yair Lapid of Yeshatid, uh, 17 seats uh, here. He's the foreign minister, but now uh, he's slated to become the interim or caretaker prime minister if we're going to new elections. Genon Sa'ar of New Hope, Avigdor Lieberman of Israel Batenu, of course, both of these connected to Netanyahu in the past uh, and Likud, but uh, now uh, on their own and part of this coalition, a change government that didn't, that wanted to keep Netanyahu out of power, the former prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. And uh, we've got Horowitz here of the Merits Party. Uh, on the left, Benny uh, Gantz, uh, former IDF chief of staff of the Blue and White Party, a centrist party. Mansour Abbas, Ra'am of the Arab Party. So you're going all the way from Bennett on the right to Mansour Abbas, an Arab Party on the left, an Islamist Party. In many ways, it's conservative. Uh, it's religious views in some ways are sort of like the altered Orthodox. And then uh, Marab Mechaeli, who now heads labor. This has been the government. Uh, these guys have been trying to bring them down. Benjamin Netanyahu, of course, Likud has the largest party, but they're not part of the government because these other guys banded together to say uh, he needs to deal with his, his scandals, these trials that he's going through. And then maybe once he cleans the slate of that, he could you know, get back in politics. Itamar Ben-Gavir on the far right uh, and his partner uh, Betzalel Smotrich. You've got two Arab parties on the left, the Arab Joint List and Ta'al, Moshe Gafni of the United Torah Judaism, the uh, traditional Ashkenazi religious Jews, Ari Dairi, the traditional uh, Sephardi uh, religious Jews, ultra-Orthodox Jews. And uh, those are the, um, the members of the opposition the problem is they haven't uh, been able to unite enough, even though it's about a 60-60 split right now. They haven't been able to unite enough about bringing down the Lapid, uh, the Bennett-Lapid government because these Arab parties don't want Netanyahu back in power. So they'll try and keep the, other, the government afloat from the outside if it looks like it's going to fall. And that's uh, Dove, I think, will help us understand that dynamic, uh, and uh, we'll come back to this uh, PowerPoint in a little bit. But uh, Dove, I'm going to hand it over to you, and you give us, you know, your narrative uh, and snapshot of where we are right now. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that was a really good presentation to set the table for some of the words that I want to share. The first thing we have to remember, as you saw from David's presentation, is that Israel is a parliamentary system. Uh, we know we don't have direct elections. I grew up in the United States of America, where it's just straight up elections for the president. There's a separate branch. That's the legislative branch, which is Congress. And then, of course, you have the judiciary. Here in Israel, the legislative and the executive are very much merged together. When we have elections, 
all we vote for, all the people vote for, are the 120 members of the parliament. By the way, I'm sure all of you would like to know that the reason why it's 120 is because thousands of years ago, when Ezra led the people of Israel back to build the second temple, there was a body of leaders called the Anshe Knesset Hagdola, the men of the great assembly. There were 120 of them. We in Israel, this is not a story that's 74 years old from the state of Israel. It's not 120 years old from Herzl. It's thousands of years old, as all of you know, and we connect back to that past. So we vote for 120 members of Knesset. There are national party lists. Nobody represents a region. You're not a member of parliament from a specific region. It's just national lists. So after the election, all you have is 120 members of the parliament. Then all the wheeling and dealing begins as someone tries to form a majority. The person who can form a majority of 61 plus members of Knesset, that person can then become the prime minister. From those members of Knesset in his coalition, they become ministers in the government. So you have that mix of the executive and the legislative together. So this last experiment, and I'm using that word very, very deliberately, usually you'd think, there's a right-wing government, there's a left-wing government. That's kind of the way it's generally been. You should just know that over the last few decades, and this is a really important piece of information, Israel has very much shifted to the right on the security issues. That is the result of failed attempts to come to some kind of an agreement with the Palestinian leadership that starts with the Oslo Accords in the 90s, Camp David in 2000, the disengagement from Gaza in 2005, uh, an offer that was made in 2008. And there's a feeling in Israel that we are willing to give uh, land if necessary for the sake of peace to the Palestinian side, but they're not only refusing the offers, it's actually leading to more terror and less security. So Israel has shifted. If you would check the parliament right now, I think you have close to 80 seats of people who say we are in the right camp on security issues. The challenge has been that there are many in the right-wing camp who do not support Netanyahu to continue as prime minister. They will say he has been a great leader, he has done wonderful things for Israel, but it's time for him to move on. Some will focus on the, the charges, the indictment against him, which is in court now. And they say, we can't have a sitting prime minister who's under indictment. So there are various reasons why people don't want him there. But as a result, Netanyahu, despite Israel's right wing being way over the 61, he has not been able to get to the 61. And he was not able to form a government, which led us to all of the election cycles that we had. In the end of the last election last year, uh, Naftali Bennett, together with Yair Lapid, Naftali Bennett, who's on the right, clearly ideologically on the right, Yair Lapid, who's center left, they got together and said, let's try to put a government together. And that government included Naftali Bennett on the right wing, Gidon Saar, who has been very close to Netanyahu for years, who is right wing ideologically, and included some from the center, Yeshatid, Benny Gantz, and Blue and White. But it also brought in the Israeli left into the government. Meretz, which is far left, Labor, which is a little bit more in the middle. Uh, but here was the revolution. In order to get to the number of 62 at that time, or 61 now, they had to bring in an Arab party as well. No Arab party had ever joined the government in Israel as a whole. By the way, I need to emphasize, whenever you hear anyone say that Israel is a quote-unquote apartheid state, you can look at them in the eye and say, 
They are democratically elected to the parliament. They serve as deputy speakers in the parliament. They even serve as ministers in the Israeli government. That's not an apartheid state whatsoever. Mansour Abbas and his party joined the government. But this government was very difficult to govern. Think about it for a moment. Put it into your country, wherever you're listening from, watching from, if you have people who ideologically, they're more on the right wing, ideologically, they're more on the left wing, and say, come together and govern together. So what can you govern about? You can govern about transportation issues, maybe, uh, somehow agree on some economic issues, but there's no possible way on the broader issues of Israel that Israel faces daily, a country surrounded by countries and enemies who want to destroy it. And with God's help, we fight off those enemies. But a, an Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which is talking about, do you give uh, land in Israel to some other entity? Do you not give land in Israel? Do you divide Jerusalem? Do you not divide Jerusalem? How do you deal with Hamas when they fire missiles into Israel? How do you deal with Palestinian terrorists that come into Israel? These are issues that are not existential threats. They're real. They're daily, and that without a doubt creates, creates tension within a party, uh, within a government, I'm sorry, that's bringing together all of the different parties. They tried very hard over the course of the year to navigate that, and let me tell you where it all came to a head, and all of you who are certainly people who uh, know the Bible, are familiar with the Bible, you'll, you'll appreciate the issue that the Jewish state was dealing with. In 1967, the uh, Israel was blessed with this miraculous victory in the Six-Day War. All of a sudden, Jerusalem is united. We have control over Judea and Samaria, which the world calls the West Bank. We have control over Gaza. And Israel never officially annexed Judea and Samaria. Remember, Judea and Samaria, which is the heart of the biblical, uh, there's the heartland of biblical Israel. They never annexed it. But over the years since 1967, hundreds of thousands of Jews have started to live there. That's what the world calls the settlements. And that's what the world refers to, excuse me for saying it, but when they call it occupation, that's what they're talking about. Hundreds of thousands of people who live in areas that look just like regular neighborhoods and cities, they're living there. So every few years, Israel passes a law that says uh, Jews that live in Judea and Samaria they are Israeli citizens, they pay taxes, they have the benefits of living in Israel, they have the Israeli police uh, for crime, all the basic things you need for a society. And every government, left-wing or right-wing, passed that law every few years because it's a consensus in Israel for the most part that that's good, these are Israelis. Now you have this complicated government. And what happened was the government could not have a majority to pass this law. There were two Arab members of the government, one from the Ram party, one from the Meretz party, who voted against this law. And that basically said, this government cannot continue at this point. Even the ones who wanted to keep it together said, we can't, this is a basic law. This is not changing the status quo. This is a basic law that Israel always, always, always passes. One member of Knesset from the coalition yelled out, the experiment has failed. If Arab Israel is not able to vote with us on a basic law, these two Arab MKs, then we can't, other Arab MKs voted for it. We can't do anything at that point. We can't govern the country. That led the Prime Minister of Israel this past Monday, Naftali Bennett, to say, we are going to dissolve the Knesset. What does that mean, dissolve the Knesset? <laughs> it sounds like a foreign terminology. I can tell all of you, I remember the feeling sitting in my seat in 2015 inside the chambers of the Israeli Knesset. A vote is brought to the floor saying we propose to disperse the Knesset and go to elections. 
and your screen is in front of you and one of the options is in favor and with trepidation you take your finger and you press in favor basically saying this Knesset no longer exists I don't know if I'll have a job in the Knesset after the next election and sure enough in my case that is actually what happened but the government could not function any longer Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid agreed Together, Yair Lapid was the other party that kind of came together with Bennett to make this happen. He was the foreign minister and the alternate prime minister. In their coalition agreement, they said, if we go to an election, Yair Lapid takes over as prime minister. Naftali Bennett announced he wants to bring this law to the Knesset floor, and Yair Lapid will take over as prime minister in the interim until a new government is formed. So where are we right now as we speak, David? Let me just tell you where we are. On Wednesday, the first vote to disperse the Knesset passed by unanimously. Everyone voted in favor. But anybody who knows government, anybody who knows legislative work, nothing happens instantaneously. Now the law has to go to a committee where some issues will be discussed. They have to agree on a date for the next election. They have to agree on what legislation will they allow to pass during the interim period of time while we're in an election cycle. And then at some point early next week, the law should come back to the Knesset floor for another reading, go back to the committee, and then back for a, a last two readings. In the interim, though, and this is the last point that I'll make, there are some who are saying, let's not go to a new election. Let's try within the construct of the 120 members of parliament we have now to put together a majority that would support Netanyahu. Maybe some people who didn't support him in the past will say, well, we're going to an election. I might lose my seat. My party might not get into the Knesset to begin with. Maybe we should explore joining together with him. So there are attempts that are being made to do so. So there are a few days for that to happen. At the moment, as we speak, there has been no breakthrough on that front. Again, anything can change at any moment. So as I'm looking at you right now, it does seem that by some point, beginning to middle of next week, the Knesset will get through all of the votes and will disperse. And that will set us on an election campaign, which has to be at least 90 days. But we'll talk about that more as we move forward. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, um... We, we uh, um, have this situation where uh, right now Netanyahu is trying, he has 55 seats, 55 votes. He needs 61 in order to approve a no confidence motion that is constructive. In other words, he, he he proposes himself as a new prime minister and a new government, a new cabinet. And if he can get 61 of the current MKs in the current Knesset to approve it, then we won't go to a new elections. And if uh, the public right now, this would be the fifth election in three, in around three years, right? Three and a half years. Yeah, so yeah, the, the yeah. public doesn't want elections. All these politicians know it, and so there is some reason for some of them to sort of jump from the, the current coalition uh, on the right and, and join Bibi in a government. But he needs, he has 55, he won't get those Arab parties in the opposition. He needs uh, six members of the current coalition. And, and I understand Ayelet Shaked is, is sort of thinking about this, but she's a minister, she'd have to resign, right? And then 
wait 48 hours till she's a Knesset member again, and then she could vote. But Bibi would still need five more MKs from the current uh, anti-Netanyahu coalition. So do you think that's going to happen? What's the chances of that happening? Well, well, just to even strengthen your question for a moment, the two right-wing parties that joined this government, Yamina and New Hope, mm-hmm. at the moment, and we'll talk about the polls a little bit later, but at the moment, the polls are showing that they are teetering around the election threshold. Let me explain what that means. In order to get into the Knesset, you have to win 3.25% of the vote. That's about four seats to get in. So you can run in an election. You can do all the hard work. You can get 100,000 votes, but that falls short of the around 160,000 you need to get into the Knesset. Your, your votes disappear. They're dispersed amongst other parties equally. You lose those votes. You do not get into the Knesset. So there are definitely members of Yamina and New Hope who ideologically anyway, they're in the right wing. Their only issue was Netanyahu that may be saying to themselves, I don't want to give up my political future. I want to be involved in a right wing government. Perhaps I should explore uh, supporting a Netanyahu-led government. So those discussions are taking place. I again want to emphasize, from what I understand, and I was at the Knesset today as well, there's no breakthrough of any kind on that front, uh, but it's something to definitely keep our eyes on in the coming days. That's one of the reasons why the government cannot collapse instantaneously is because the, the lawmakers who created these laws wanted to give people time to think about it, feel it, what are the ramifications, and give them the opportunity to truly decide this is the direction we want to go in. So Monday, this coming Monday, will be the earliest the current government, the current Knesset can dissolve, correct? And But it could be towards even the end of next week before this finishes playing out, whether we're going to new elections or we're going to have a new government led by Netanyahu on the right. It, it'll take three or four days next week, perhaps, to play out, correct? That is correct. Next week will be the defining week. There's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, you know, behind-the-scenes work that's happening in the committees, which I don't want to totally get into, but there mm-hmm. are certain things that can be done to delay it a little bit more. But by sometime next week, uh, we will certainly have that final determination one way or another, and either way, uh, Israel will have a new prime minister because it'll either be yes. Netanyahu who managed to bring together 61 behind him in yes. the current Knesset, or we're going to an election. And then by the agreement between Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid, Yair Lapid would be sworn in as Israel's 14th uh, prime yes. minister. So one way or another, we will have that shift from Naftali Bennett uh, at some point next week. And uh, and it's important to remember he he would actually be in power as the prime minister of a caretaker government through the elections and even until a new government is sworn in all the way it could be January February, which by the way is a really significant piece of information here that that everyone should understand when Israel went through its four elections, Netanyahu was the prime minister before the first election. He was the interim prime minister from, so from his perspective, just continuously going to elections was, I'm I'm gonna use the word okay, because Mm -hmm. he continued as prime minister. The Mm -hmm. urgency this time will be far greater for Netanyahu, because now if Israel enters a loop again of election after election, someone else, someone who he views as a political adversary 
is sitting in the premiership. And I do believe that will give extra motivation to one of two things, either to try to work really hard, and we'll talk about the polls soon, to get to 61. That is one possibility. Or, or if let's say he is not able to form an election after the next uh, round, would Netanyahu at that point say, I'll step aside so that another right-wing leader can take over in the premiership? That's definitely a possibility as well, if that plays out. Yeah, which has been the sort of question hanging over Netanyahu and Likud in the right for two and a half years, three and a half years now. It's the real heart of the political limbo Israel's been in during this time. But uh, let me ask you this. We don't, the, you know, this, uh, the, the title of our, our webinar today, Israel going to new elections. As of right now, it's a question mark. And there is a slight chance BB can pull together an alternative, alternative government and pass what's called a constructive no confidence motion, which is a confidence motion in a new government. So that could happen. But right. what we can say, and I think this is true, you, you can answer this. Can we write the eulogy for this Bennett Lapid government as of now? absolutely uh, can be written. They've concluded there's no way they can govern. Uh, they tried, and I think it's admirable that there was an attempt made to bring some kind of unity. Uh, I, I actually, and this is the maybe the one piece of, of, of personal, it's not even politics, but an opinion that I'll add into this, uh, without even addressing who I want to be prime minister, I think for the country as a whole, uh, it was good to see that there could be other prime ministers. Netanyahu has been prime minister for a very long time. And, and at some point, uh, you know, he won't be in the political picture. It's just good for people to recognize that even though he's been a strong, good leader for Israel, uh, Israel continues to function uh, even with another leader. And by the way, I mean, for young people growing up here, that was a shock to the system. There's someone else uh, who's the prime minister. So there was a value there. I think there was a value in trying to bring different factions in Israel together trying to welcome Arab Israelis into the nice. government. These are all very, very valuable efforts. Again, it failed at this point in time. So yes, definitively this effort to have this mix of right-wing, left-wing, uh, Arab all together, uh, it, it is now coming to an end, that's for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, even a lot of Christians are worried what, what's gonna happen to Israel after Netanyahu, you have to have him and I think you know, this is proven Israel will be okay uh, afterwards, it, uh, you know, with another uh, government, another ruler. But uh, I think these elections, in a way, have also proven Israel really doesn't need a government to keep going because we really haven't had a solid government for, for years now. Correct. The one challenge, which I will say, you're right, the country functions, the country flourishes. Yeah. When you don't have a government, though, you can't pass new budgets. That's and there right. are always new needs that come up, new programs. Uh, you know, there were, there, were, there were programs for special needs children that were on hold for a long time. There yes. were welfare budgets that were on hold for a long time. Those are the things that are really difficult um, when yeah. you're not having a new government. And also, you know, any interim government can't move the country in any real particular direction. It's really yeah. a, a, a just a caretaker at that point in time. So uh, there is definitely something which is lost. But one of the things that I learned as a member of the parliament, the Knesset, and uh, obviously I believed in God uh, beforehand, 
but uh, when you are behind the scenes and you see regular human beings with human frailties that are trying to run a very complex, complicated country, uh, you realize that when it's all said and done, uh, God is behind Israel's uh, unbelievable success. And, you know, certainly fully believe that God will always be uh, behind Israel's success. So, you know, care, concern, uh, you know, I, I'd like Israel to be in a certain direction. That I definitely uh, accept. But fear of some kind of an overall catastrophe based on election results this way or another, uh, everyone can rest assured that with God's help, Israel will be okay. Amen. We can say amen to that. Now, you know, when I look at this government over the, the past year, you know, I, I think it was good to have uh, a broad government. It wasn't uh, a necessarily consensus or, or whatever. It was thin, fragile, but still broad. And, and I think overall, I know on the right, there's a lot of criticism that Bennett on, from the right, he partnered with uh, an Islamist party, which they're more conservative and all. But when you look at the Abraham Accords going on and these Arab countries, uh, that next tier of Arab countries, normalizing relations with, with Israel as a Jewish state and not waiting for the Palestinians or whatever, that process going on in the region, I think it, it was good for Israel to start normalizing uh, the relationship with, the, with its own Arab population. And so even though I can't agree with all of it, it's good that they started participating and feeling a part of it. I definitely agree with that uh, overall idea. And let's remember, one of the things that happened during this year was one of the ministers in the government was Asawi Frej from the Merits Party, who was the Minister of Regional Cooperation. Hmm. So think about that for a moment. You're, you're an Arab leader in the United Arab Emirates uh, or in Bahrain or in Morocco, and the Minister of Regional Cooperation for the Jewish state is an Arab Israeli. And that's really, really powerful statement in terms of re-emphasizing what I said before about Israel being a country that does give rights to all of its citizens, regardless of their faith or background. Yes, there's a complex conflict with the Palestinian side, mm -hmm. but within Israel itself, uh, that's a, such an important statement to be made. And I, I do agree that it was an important step that was taken. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I want to make one other point, which is, there's pretty strong evidence that Netanyahu himself was also in negotiations with this party about the possibility of them That's joining right. a government led by him. So a lot of what you hear and read is political rhetoric, uh, which both sides will throw at each other. That's politics. We all know that for whatever country we live in. Uh, but in reality, I think all sides recognize that there might be a need and an opportunity to try to work with the Arab parties or party to try to have them be part of what's happening in the government as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the other, we'll call accomplishments of, of this Bennett-Lapid government, they they were able to pass a, a state budget for the first time in like three years or so. Even Netanyahu, when he was in power, I think he deliberately tanked this the state budget process to force new elections. If you can't pass one by a certain time, it triggers elections, but they weren't able to pass it. This government did. I, there's been somewhat of a turnaround in relations with Turkey over the, the past six months to a year under this government. Those are good things to point to. Absolutely. Uh, for the first time in years, there was an actual foreign minister with a diplomacy diplomatic plan foreign minister right now is actually in Turkey today, uh, meeting with his counterpart there. Uh, definitely was, was progress on those issues. Uh, you know, it wasn't 
you'll hear the opposition saying this is a catastrophic government, but that, you know, whichever sides of the opposition will always say that. Uh, there definitely were accomplishments. There definitely was positive movement. But at, at the end of the day, the, the burning issues on the table in Israel are such that you can't remove ideology from the table. And mm -hmm. at a certain point, those issues that are daily issues here are going to come to a head. And that's what happened here. Yeah, some of the the foreign uh, uh, the foreign affairs accomplishments. I think you also have to give some credit to President Isaac Herzog, who normally you know the, you want the president to be a little limited, don't get too political, whatever. But he's really done some good things to keep the momentum of the Abraham Accords going. He's he was first one to go and visit Turkey and start turning that relationship around. So it's been a good partnership between him and the Bennett Lapid team, you know, coalition. Absolutely. He was really the right person at this time. I, I was in Knesset together with him. He's from the Labour Party, which is certainly yes. seen as being more to the left, but but very well liked, very well balanced, very much in the middle. And that's why he received so much support. The, the, the president is elected from the Knesset, not from the citizens of the country. And he he won by a by a large margin. And, you know, the role of the president in Israel is very much uh, devoid of actual power in terms of uh, what they can accomplish in the country, but in terms of representing the country, especially abroad and trying to be a unifying force inside the country, uh, he's done a really good job. It was a really good balance, as you said, of this kind of government together with that kind of a president. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a final thought on Bennett Lapid government that it, you know, it was fragile, really broad, but really thin. And uh, but for it to have lasted a year is is quite amazing. It's almost a miracle, I, I would say. I, I would agree with that terminology. Many people thought it would last just a few weeks. They were talking about a few months. Um, and then at a certain point, I think people started saying, wait a minute, maybe this could actually last longer than that. But then it came to some of those uh, issues that that created the tension points, and that's where they weren't able to hold it together. Everyone has to remember the Prime Minister of Israel, aside from the responsibility of all the weight of all the decisions they have to make on a daily basis, many of them decisions that we don't even know about as they're happening to protect Israel, at the same time, they have to be within the halls of the Knesset keeping their coalition together. So it's a, a really delicate and difficult balancing act. And I, I, I do believe it's quite impressive that this managed to go as long as it did. Yes. And, uh, and but it's, it's come apart now, uh, basically because Bennett's own party, the prime minister's own party unraveled on him. Uh, what happened there? So basically, you know, Bennett, let's go back for a moment before the last election, the day or two before the last election, he went on camera and said, I will not uh, join a government that includes the Israeli left. And many people voted for him based on that declaration because they liked him. They supported him. He used to be the head of the Judea and Samaria Council, always represented Israel's right. Yamina, the name of his party, means rightward, going mm -hmm. towards the right. So uh, they saw him as that kind of a leader and they believed it. And then the fact that he formed a government with the Israeli left for those voters and the members of his party in the Knesset, that was a, they viewed that as an about face, which was not, you know, every politician to a certain degree, they can't keep all of their promises. It's just the nature of politics. You have to mm -hmm. compromise, otherwise you can't govern. I think people understand that. But when it's such a primary campaign promise, so close to the election, and then that's changed, 
he lost a lot of support from that. And the members of his own party struggled with it. They were willing to go along with it uh, in the very beginning. Let's try to make it work. They called it a, a civilian-based government. We'll deal with, like I said before, uh, transportation issues, economic issues, welfare issues. We'll stay away from security. We'll stay away from the things that definitely pull us apart as right and left. But as time went along, and uh, actually one member of his party defected right in the very beginning, Amichai Shikli, he went and joined the opposition, which made it a 61-59 government. Uh, David, imagine being prime minister and you have a 61-seat majority. Any member of Knesset could come to you and say, if you don't give me what I want, um, joining the opposition and voting no confidence in the government. So it's a very, very difficult, delicate position uh, to be in. And little by little, the members of his party said, we're not just governing in the center on economic issues and the like and infrastructure. We're giving in to the Arab party's demands for all kinds of funding for things that we don't think funding should be going to. Uh, we feel like you know we, we, we can't even pass the Judean Samaria law, which is just a basic law that Israel has passed in every single government. How can we, as people who are ideologically right-wing, continue to sit in a government if we have to literally just ignore all of our ideology along the way. And so, yes, the, the final collapse did happen via Bennett's government, Bennett's party, when another member of Knesset, Edith Silman, she said she's leaving, that made it 60-60. And then the last member, who's very close to Naftali Bennett for years, has been with him near Arbach, he said, you know, once the Judean Samaria law fell, I can't be part of this. And that eventually makes it 51 to 59 to 61. And at that point, Bennett realized, yes, his own party is not able to stick with it. Let me do the gracious thing and not try to fight this, but actually go along with it and initiate the dispersal of the Knesset. Yeah. Now, um, one of the reasons we're still in this political uh, limbo, and I think it's one of the reasons that the Bennett-Lapid government was able to last a year is that there's really been no movement uh, one way or the other, not a whole lot of movement or, or disposition of uh, Netanyahu's trials. Uh, it does seem like his lawyers have done a good job. Uh, the, the, the one state witness in the most important case really threw some doubt on the state's evidence. Uh, but if if that had moved one way or another, that would really affect the, the political landscape. And do you see any movement in, in the next few months on that? Well, first of all, it's a really astute point that you're making. And uh, there's no doubt if, let's say, things were looking like it's heading towards a conviction, there, there might be a lot of pressure in Likud even today. Step down, let somebody else like Anir Barakat, who was the former mayor of Jerusalem, take over Likud. At that point, we will have 61 because these other parties will join us. There will be that kind of pressure. But the opposite has happened. I'm not saying uh, the trial won't move forward, and I'm not saying it won't go towards a conviction. I have absolutely no idea. But there's been a lot of chipping away at the prosecution's case, definitely weakening it, weakening it perhaps, uh, reducing it to a lower charge in the end. We just don't know where it'll go. The legal process in Israel is very, very long. This, this court case is not anywhere near uh, its end. And therefore, there's definitely a feeling on the right and the supporters of Netanyahu of empowerment, of a certain energy that says, 
you know, it's all crumbling. They're all out to get him. Let's bring out the vote and, and you know, get him to the point where he has the 61 that he needs. There definitely is that sentiment out there. On the flip side, I will mention, there is an effort being made now in the Knesset, and now we're getting into some of the complexities, to try to rush the passage of a law before the next election, before the Knesset disperses, a law that would say that someone who is under indictment cannot put together a government and become prime minister. Uh, that's an effort that's being made right now via the Law and Constitution Committee. It does seem like there will be a majority with the help of the Arab Party and the opposition to get that law passed. But everyone should know, even if you do hear in the headlines that they succeeded, and, and the chance of them doing it is not high because the timeline is not simple to pass a law like that. But even if they do, Let's fast forward for a moment to the end of this election cycle. If there are 61 MKs supporting Netanyahu for prime minister, they can actually convene the Knesset, change the law again, say mm -hmm. that you can form a government under indictment, and then Netanyahu can be handed the baton to try to form a government at that point. So it's almost a symbolic gesture at this point because it can be undone uh, even if they do somehow pass it before this Knesset disperses. Mm -hmm. This is turning to the, the Roman Senate, making the rules as they go along. <laughs> That's right. And by the way, you should know, Prime Minister Bennett, who has been obviously against Netanyahu, he has come out and said he's against he's the against passage that of this law because he feels you can't change the rules of the game as you're going into the game. So yeah. Okay. We it looks. Uh, let me just tell uh, everyone who's listening. If you're on Zoom and you have some questions, please put them in the Q and A part there or in the chat, and we'll find them. But I got a few more myself uh, here, Dov. This is a great right. conversation we're having with you. Uh, so it looks very, you know, it's very slim chances that we'll have an alternative government with this Knesset under Netanyahu. But it's a possibility. We'll find out next week. But the the greater odds right now are we're going to new elections. Uh, right now, everyone says that it'll probably be in early November. But uh, what will those elections be about? What's going to shift? Who Who's benefiting here? So, you know, certainly uh, there's a lot of business right now for the pollsters in Israel. And, you know, the day that this was announced, they all went and did polls. And all the polls show one trend. They show that whereas Netanyahu emerged from the last election, at that point with just 52 basically supporting him, there have been some defectors since then. At this point, the polls are showing he's around 59 seats of support. That is because Many people uh, in the right wing uh, or people who maybe voted for Bennett or Gidon Saar that are right wingers who joined this government, they're very upset with what happened with this government and the effort of working with the Israeli left. They feel that there's been an empowerment of a more radical element in the Israeli Arab society. Uh, for the first time in years, we saw Israeli Arabs uh, waving Palestinian flags in Israeli universities. That's something which is scary. You know, Israel has always dealt with its enemies surrounding us, whether they be the Arab countries or whether they be the Palestinian entities. But we haven't had an, a, an enemy that's been active from within the citizens of Israel. When you start seeing Arab Israelis waving Palestinian flags in Israeli universities, that starts getting a feeling of, wait a minute, maybe there is a strong anti-Israel sentiment among that population 
we need a strong right-wing government led by Netanyahu. And you definitely see the Likud party rising in the polls from 30 to 36. You see the religious Zionist party, which is even more right-wing and has been very, very strong against the addition of these specific Arabs to the government. They have risen in the polls. So he's at 59 at this point. That is very, very significant as we move forward. Because you ask, what will this election be about? The right wing is going to say, you must vote for us. You must come out to vote. We have to raise the uh, number of people that are voting to prevent the possibility of there being another government with Arabs that are anti-Israel, with the left wing that they view as dangerous for Israel. That's on one side. The other side is going to say, you cannot vote for the Netanyahu's block. Uh, right-wing religious extremists are going to take over. They've already used terminology of Israel entering a dark time of religious extremism. That's the terminology that you're going to be hearing, which is sad for me. It's not going to be very much an election about any specific issue, but it's really going to be very, very uh, personal uh, in nature and kind of casting uh, uh, very, very negative uh, generalities about generalizations about specific populations. And that's something which I don't believe uh, is good for Israel, but that's what you're already hearing from both sides. You're hearing Netanyahu's camp saying, you got to vote for us or else we'll have you know, radical uh, Arab uh, elements in the government and destroy Israel. And you have the other side saying, you have to vote for us, otherwise these extremist elements will come in and destroy Israel. And that's literally mm -hmm. the terminology that you're starting to hear. And that's going to be, and I want to tell you, this is going to be a long, long election cycle. The law says that it has to be at least 90 days after mm -hmm. the government dissolves, but that comes right around the time of the Jewish holidays. Uh, we have the holidays of Rosh Hashanah, of Yom Kippur, of Sukkot, of the Feast of the Tabernacles. It, it, it is just, so therefore they have to push it off beyond that. And that's why they're talking about the possibility of October 25th or most likely November 1st. That mm. means many, many months of a lot of this language and rhetoric being used. And that's not a positive thing for any population. And I'm not happy that that's what it'll be, but it will not be about any specific issues. It will very much be about these personalities. I'm going to use this to uh, shamelessly plug our Feast of Tabernacles. If Christians want to come to our feast, it's October 9th through the 16th, and you'll be here in Israel uh, right in the midst of that heated uh, uh, election campaign. You'll get to really see what Israeli politics are like here in the country with your feet on the ground. But you, you, you need to come because uh, you love the Lord and you want to come and bless his country and be obedient to come to the feast. But that's just an added bonus uh, to come around that and time. I've, and, and I've been there and it's wonderful. So everyone yes. really take this to heart. It is a wonderful celebration. It is a wonderful feeling of spirituality and take advantage of the opportunity. Thank, thank you, Dove. Now, you were citing some of these polls and I think the ones I've seen, they're saying the same thing. Likud gains a little... The far right, uh, Smotrich and uh, uh, Ben Gavir, they gained some at the expense of Bennett's party and, and uh, Gideon Sa'ar's uh, New Hope. They, they're on the brink of maybe disappearing or whatever. So those votes are going over. But it seems to me a lot of those are like either uh, Israeli residents of the territories, Judea and Samaria, what we call settlers. Or, or their pro-settlement movement that a lot of these people ought to be uh, upset with Netanyahu 
and these far-right parties for playing politics with this law about uh, Judea Samaria, not uh, extending the, this provision that says all the Israeli settlers are, are Israeli citizens, and it's like a, a, a repeated an, a, a annexation in personam. You annex the people, but not the land. And that, that should be a, an important issue, but they're going to ignore that? Well, they're not going to ignore it. They might ask the question, but the answer they'll get is, we had to vote against that law, even though we believe in it, in order to topple this government, which is doing more damage in their eyes to yeah. the settlement enterprise and to Judea and Samaria. We can argue, yes, no, that's not you know for our purposes. But I do believe that the opposition succeeded in getting their message across that the dangers of this government mm -hmm. uh, from their eyes and, and people who are right-wing ideologically understand why they have to play that game as long as right now they rectify it, which they presumably will. So mm -hmm. uh, it's not a strong enough question to have them uh, stick with their parties who they feel went the wrong direction over here. Okay, now uh, I think our final question, we've really worked you hard here. My final question, we'll see what else is here. How does Israel get out of this three and a half years of political limbo? We, we, they've changed, uh, you know, the no confidence laws. It's harder to, to uh, uh, defeat or bring down a government through a no confidence. You have to have a, a 61 majority for an alternative government or the, the dissolving the Knesset bill, which is another traditional way of ending a government. It can only be brought up every six months. So there's been efforts to try and, and keep governments in place and, and raising thresholds to get into the Knesset and all. So these efforts are gone, but they haven't solved it yet. Huh? What, what do we need? Well, if I if I could wave my magic wand, I would absolutely change the political system in Israel and change it to something which is more what I grew up with in the United States with with all of its flaws, but separation of powers, checks and balances. It's just a whole different system. The system kind of yields itself to some of these challenges. But in the interim, because they're not changing the system, there's only two possibilities that I see in terms of ending the cycle. One is Netanyahu does get the 61, and you have a right-wing government uh, with you know, absolute the 61. They all rally around him. It's absolutely not an impossibility. There's, the polls are showing it's so close. You can have one of the ultra-Orthodox parties like Shas get one more seat by bringing out more people to vote. Likud can get more people to vote. That's one absolute possibility. The other possibility is what I said before, is that Netanyahu does not succeed in bringing the 61. The other side will not succeed either. They're not anywhere close to the 61 unless you try this experiment again of putting together all, which I don't think will happen. At that point, the Likud party might do some soul searching and say, we've tried, it hasn't worked. Netanyahu, you've done so much for Israel. Let's make sure we get a right-wing government in for Israel's future. And somehow there's an effort for him to step aside, which again is more likely now because he's not the interim prime minister than it was mm -hmm. before when he was just prime minister anyway between elections. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, Likud does another uh, election for chairman. Someone else wins. All of those right-wing votes that I talked about before who are only going with the center left 
because they don't want Netanyahu, they would join and then you'd have another solid right-wing government uh, come together. So those are the two uh, ways that I could see us breaking through uh, this logjam of election after election. And we'll have to see uh, how it plays out. And also remember, over the course of a four-month election cycle, so much can happen. And the polls that we see today aren't the polls that we're going to see in a month and in two months and in three months. So everyone has to keep that in mind uh, as well. I'm actually going to be giving regular updates uh, on the Yad Olim uh, Facebook page from inside the Knesset. If people are interested in this, okay. they want to hear what's happening, they could definitely go and see that. And it'll be available on yadlolim.org as well. And I'd certainly be more than happy to come back on and give uh, another discussion at some point uh, with you and your audience so people can be more educated, understand exactly what's happening. Uh, that's great. We, we'd encourage people to follow uh, uh, Dove Lipman and his, uh, it's Yad, Y-A-D-L-O-I-L-I-M.org, Yad La Olim, and uh, he's going to be giving more updates. They have a Facebook page, they're on LinkedIn, they're, they're all over, and they've been, as I said at the start, help, very, very helpful in helping everyone understand Israel's uh, health regulations under Corona, who gets in, who gets out. He was helping people get in the country to, for bar mitzvahs and weddings and things like this, because even the Jewish community uh, abroad was having trouble getting into Israel. And uh, he provided an incredible service for so many. Uh, there's a question here from uh, uh, Dr. Wesley Mack in Canada. Uh, he just uh, heard word that Bennett may not run in this in this election, and I know he he got defeated one election, and uh, they didn't do so well, and he decided to take a timeout. And there are reports he'll do it now. Yeah, the his uh, the prime minister's close friends are all saying that uh, it does not seem like he will run because the polls are showing his party has lost its support. The right wing uh, supporters have gone to other parties. And you know, all he really has is some kind of uh, center-left uh, few uh, four mandates or so, and that he might just say, "I'm stepping away gracefully instead of going through a difficult election campaign and not crossing that 3.25% threshold." That is where he seems to be heading. You know, as we speak right now, again, things can change, but that is the understanding that we we hear from his close friends. Um, he's a really good guy, who army yes. hero in Israel, high tech entrepreneur has a lot to offer uh, society. And, you know, as I have learned, uh, one can make a significant contribution to the people and the land, even from outside uh, the world of yeah. politics. So hopefully yeah. he'll continue to do so, even if he makes that decision. Yeah. No, I, I look, uh, I've been here uh, 25 years, been following closely full-time Israeli uh, politics and everything for over 30 years. And, uh, you know, I, I think Bennett and Lapid and Gedon Sa'ar and some of these other guys, they represent a new generation of leaders that, that they're willing to make personal compromises for the good and the well-being of the whole country as they see it. And I see that as, as something good for the future uh, of, of Israel. I think that new generation of leaders, once Netanyahu's time is truly up, and we don't know when that will be, uh, Israel's going to be fine, and these guys, you know, he's made some real compromises, and it's cost him, but uh, he, he got wealthy on high tech, and he doesn't need the money, and he doesn't need Correct. the hassle, 
but he did it anyway for you know for service and national national responsibility. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we want to thank uh, former Knesset member Dov Lipman. He's now founder and CEO of Yad Le'olim for giving us all these insights and analysis and, and just uh, helping us understand uh, whether Israel is going to uh, new elections. As of now, it's still a question mark. But by Monday, uh, it should straighten up into an exclamation. Yes, it's going to new elections, but we'll, we'll see then. Everyone uh, stay tuned. We haven't really set yet what we'll do next week on next week's uh, uh, weekly webinar next Thursday, 4 p.m. But stay tuned. We may revisit this issue or uh, we'll have some other uh, very relevant current topic. And... Um, uh, make sure also to join us next Wednesday for the global prayer gathering. We're going to have an excellent time. We've got some good guests on there and worship leader. And thanks again, Dov, for your time and, uh, and just sharing all your insights. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and blessings to all of you. All right. God bless. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media pages for more exclusive ICJ content.